This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Muck Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Muck Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door, including my favourite, the Quarter Pounder with cheese. Mm. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with Muck Delivery, so the only thing left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Good morning, afternoon, evening and welcome to episode 221 of the Stacey West podcast. My name is Gary. I seem to be a rather regular presenter at the moment. No doubt the part-timers will be back. One man who cannot be classed as part-time is my co-host this evening, Mr Lamming. How are you doing? Hello, very well. Long time no see. Yeah, what was it, yesterday? Yeah, and the day before. Oh yeah, we did the, yeah, we did pull the day <laughs> before as well. My God, with Fee being away this week, I've seen you more than I've seen her. Yeah, I think I've seen you more than I've seen my other half as well. And we've lived in the same house this week as well. Yeah, <laughs> yeah at least he's been in Cambridge. At least, Although I, I've been out today. I was back at, well, I say my old school. I was back at our old school this mm. morning doing the um, Lower Sixth Careers Day, which was, uh, which was interesting always. You know, I've never, I've not set foot in that place since I left at 16 years old. I've got no intention of doing, to be honest. no. No, I I did it more because, um, I mean, I really enjoy being involved in the careers day and it's nice to see how the school has changed since I was there. Because when I was there, it was very much like if you weren't an A-star student, nobody really cared and you were allowed to just leave. And But they, they're, um, yeah, there's a real focus now on kind of offering them the alternative career path. Oh, that's good. Well, that, that would have been perfect for me because I was the, the typical sporty kid that, I didn't really have a lot of interest in anything academic and then realised after leaving school, probably should have had a bit more of an interest in that. Um, but yeah, was not really given the option. So that's good to see. It's good to see that that's happening. Yeah, yeah it was nice. I mean, I, I the, the session that I deliver is really about um, wasting 20 years of your life in a job that you despise and just telling them, look, it doesn't matter if you fail your A-levels. That's not the end. There's something else. If you go to uni and struggle, that's not the end. It's something else. If you spend 10 years doing a job, you can change your direction and then kind of showing them the digital world um, and explaining to them the, the Stacey West empire and the real EFL empire and the real job that allows me to do the two things that I've just called an empire. So that's brilliant. But it's nice. Yeah, it, it's nice. And we asked them, I asked them to set up a website um, kind of just with a brand and all that sort of thing. And they came, they were really quite bright um, quite astute and I did say to them if they came up with any good ideas don't rule out me starting that website in uh, in the next six months and you know, <laughs> I go back next week and zero go, royalties <laughs> yeah I just go back next year when they're in the upper six driving a Ferrari and you know just slapping my hands like that going brilliant I've, I've, I've put my money to Lincoln City so that they can pay Tyler Walker ten thousand pounds a week <laughs> that's a funny joke <laughs> Chappy, if you're listening um yeah it isn't i don't think it is 10 grand a week we don't know we no, don't know for it. sure but, you know on that though because that is always the concern when you sign a um a a big name player so i suppose you ought to move into obviously we've signed tyler walker it's quite big news it's, it's definitely big news for lincoln city we did a a live stream yesterday so if you want some more kind of of our immediate reaction and maybe a bit more of an in-depth discussion than we're going to go through today about the Tyler Walker signing, then definitely head to the YouTube channel for that. Um, but just quickly, there is there is always a concern when you've signed someone of that calibre that, hang on, have we broken our wage structure for this? How does that fit into the the wider picture? And I think it was really telling that Jez Judge made a point of, of saying that this does not break our wage structure. It's not like they didn't mention it. That you made a point of mentioning it. I think that's quite a big statement, really. So, yeah, I, I personally have no concerns at all um, that he's that he's on a, a ridiculous amount of money. He clearly wanted to come to Lincoln City. We clearly wanted him. We created a deal that works for both parties. And if it clicks like it did last time, we've got a great player. 
Yeah, absolutely. On the wage structure, um, you know, sometimes conversations happen um, with people at the club and that sort of thing that that can't go out, obviously. Um, and so to kind of just skirt around something, I am aware that in the January transfer window, there were inquiries made for a certain player um, and, and the fee that came back was £6,000 a week and the club were, we're not going anywhere near £6,000 a week for a player on a two and a half year deal. Um, and there was another conversation around that, something similar at the beginning of the summer where a player who you know, would have been a significant name might have wanted to come to the club, but the wage demands were going to break our wage structure. The wage structure is not in place to restrict the football club. The wage structure is in place to ensure a degree of harmony, I think, as much as anything. Um, it's important not to start chasing and paying people big money because it happens like this. Tyler Walker, let's say, comes in and we the, the, the route, you know, we pay him six grand a week. Not happening. He's not on six grand a week. Won't be happening. But you pay Tyler Walker six grand a week. People talk. So the net, Tyler Walker's on the phone to George Grant talking about his deal. George Grant rings another player. It gets around to an agent, something like that. Or even the say Tyler's agent says, well, I got him six grand a week at Lincoln. Here's some of my other players. Players we might have got for three or four grand a week now come to Lincoln and go, well, they're paying six grand a week. It's how wages get inflated. And I think that's why we try and work with a particular wage structure. So agents then know not to bring their white elephant, their six grand a week gamble to Lincoln City. It um, works in the, in the current squad as well, because if you've got, yeah. it's in your own work. Imagine you're doing the same job as somebody else, you're doing exactly the same job, and they're getting paid twice what you are, or vice versa. It, it's gonna, There's going to be a little bit of uh, unrest, though. It's, it's going to not create that harmonious environment. So, you know, we led to believe that the, the club has got a, quite a tight weight structure. And it's not, a, like you say, it's not restrictive, um, but it's it's there for two reasons. I think it's to create squad harmony, and it's also just to make sure, just to protect the long-term interest of the club as well. You would, wouldn't want to sign someone on a big wage now and it not work out, and then you're stuck with that player um, for, for, for longer than you'd like. I think we've been bitten by elements of that in the not-too-distant past as well. So, well, I think yeah. there's one player in the squad that would probably well, be still suffering the consequences. That's what I was referring to, yes. That, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so, yeah, but so, you know, it's great news. Like I said, we're not going to go into a huge amount of depth today because we, we did it yesterday and you can listen back, but there's always there's always two two sides to every story, isn't there? And there's always there's always with all of the positivity around it, there is always a concern. Um, but I thought it was really telling that that there was a specific point in reference to the wage side of things in the statement, and that said a lot to me that we're in we're in good we're in good shape. And I, you know what? I I just trust I trust who owns a club and who runs a club to to look after the long term interests. I don't believe they would make a decision which would cause any yeah any issues in that regard. So. It's a, it's a legitimate worry, genuinely. I understand why people kind of are concerned about it, but I don't think this need, we need to worry too much in that regard. No, absolutely not. Um, I think his incoming Tyler's arrival has sparked a war of words with us and Pompey fans that um, started at the beginning of the week or maybe even started back when we swapped, kind of swapped Scully and Rico Hackett. I mean, it's, do you know what I mean? We'll come on to that a little bit further down the, the podcast because it adds a really interesting element um, to like a, a rivalry. And believe you me, I would rather be involved in a rivalry with uh, 18,000 fans at Fratton Park than I would 1,200 fans at the New Lawn. So I think it's an indication of how far we've come that our Twitter spats are now with Portsmouth uh, rather than Forest Green or whoever else we had to endure um, in non-league and who have come on our coattails ever since. Tyler Walker's arrival. One thing I did want to touch upon, by the way, which we didn't really touch upon massively in uh, the live show, was um, there was a comment, I think, about making sure we keep him fit. Um, and there was a comment that he had only played 70 games over the last three years. Not technically correct. I think he's played 84 games over the last three years. 19 of those were last season. So if you take those off, you're still looking at 30 to 35 games a season. Um, and sometimes those absences were form-based rather than injury-based. I don't think there is a serious issue with Tyler Walker's fitness. 
He didn't play as many games as he would have liked last year. There was the minor ACL tear. It's easy to hear the words ACL and go, he must have been out for nine months. Whereas in actual fact, look at the newspaper reports. I think Mark Robbins said it was going to be a couple of weeks. Um, my understanding was that he was seen up at the hospital near the cathedral, having his medical. You know, This isn't a stand in a physio's office, do a couple of star jumps, knock his knee with a hammer and go, yeah, you're fine. Um, it's a big investment by the football club and they will have protected that investment. It's a degree of calculated risk. There is with any player. We took that risk with Michael Boswick, Neil Lurdley, Michael O'Connor. It paid off. We took that risk with Ben Coker. You could argue Lee Frecklington, um, and it didn't pay off. So there's always a risk. Every Everything's a risk. Look at the lad at Bolton, George Johnson, who's just done his ACL. He's now out for a full season against Bamber Bridge. No previous injury record at all. So I think there's always that risk. But I don't think that this is as, as big a one as, for instance, signing a Neil Lurdley who's barely played at all. Yeah, I agree. I think the biggest the biggest challenge with Tyler is if can we get him confident. You get him confident and we, we, we've got, a, I don't like using the phrase proven player, but for Lincoln City in League One, he is proven. We know that he's, he's got it in there. It's just it's just extracting that back out of him, isn't it? And a lot of it's about environment. So if we can create the right environment for him, then fingers crossed, it's all, it's all successful for... It's a win-win situation for all parties, really, isn't it? Well, let's hope so. Yeah, let's hope so. I mean, the, the final thing I'd say as well is, you know, again, it's my understanding that he's come here on less money than he could have taken elsewhere. For me, that shows a desire from a player to get himself back to fitness. He had a tough yeah. time at Portsmouth. They didn't see what we saw. What we saw isn't a fair indication of what we're going to get either. It was three years ago now or four, was it four years ago now. It's 2019-20 yeah. season, wasn't it? So it was four years ago. He was a younger man. There was a lot more confidence there. We're not going to get Tyler Walker four years ago. I think there might be a misconception from a lot of fans that he's going to walk in and he's going to be 14 goals in 26 league games. I don't think he's going to be that prolific, if I'm brutally honest. I think it might take him some time to get up to speed. But natural finishers are natural finishers. Uh, and you only have to look at Jamie Vardy. You only have to look at Charlie Austin. You only have to look at players who... If you can score goals, you can score goals at any level. It's just everything else around your game that needs to develop in order for you to score those goals. Charlie Kendall will score goals at any level if the rest of his game can be brought up to a level where he can compete, where he, he needs the extra yard of space. He needs you know, the, the knowledge to be able to turn those positioning. I think we Tyler's got that, but it's just literally getting himself back into regular football and settling into Lincoln City. But I don't expect the world to change in the first two or three months of the season. I can see Tyler being a slightly slower burner um, and, and maybe kicking in around Christmas yeah, time. I, yeah, I was just about to say the same thing. I can see him being a bigger player for us after Christmas than I can before. Because he's a couple of weeks behind everyone in terms of pre-season. It'll take a little while to get up to speed. But yeah, I think it'll be, let's look after him and let's, let's build him up slowly. And then hopefully we've got a, a real asset in the squad come the second half of the season. Yep. So that's Tyler. Um, there's a 40-odd minute chat with, we get Ben in, we get Charlie, and we get a load of comments from you guys as well. That's available on the YouTube channel. I've left it on social media as well. We haven't put it out as a podcast yet. Um, I might send it through to patrons um, to if you want the audio only. Um, Tyler's uh, announcement was the club teased it. It was quite clever the way they did it, actually, with the teasing the new kit, teasing the new kit, and then, oh, who's wearing the new kit? And actually, I would have liked to have seen another minute or two you know, like where it comes out ever so slightly and you just see the corner of a hair and then people are going, that's Tyler Walker. And then the next one kind of, do you know what I mean? Shows like a knuckle. He doesn't have the tattoos, otherwise it might have worked. But there was a new kit come out. Um, there's no point in me putting a picture up because we're on a podcast, so it's an audio. Um, but it's from the new manufacturer, Oxen. It's white with green trim. Chris and I have been looking at it off air Um the thing that stood out for me was the use of the 80s badge, which is the first Lincoln City badge I knew. So for me, that's that's the retro badge I really like. It's crisp and clean and simple. Some people um, identify that with multiple relegations. I identify it with winning the GM Vauxhall Conference. I identify it with the early years back in the Football League under with Gordon Hobson and Paul Smith and Graham Bressington and, and, and Matt Carmichael and you know a really good collection of players. So I like to see that. Um, first impressions were it looked like the sugar-free polo packet. My second impressions are I like the way that the colours at the bottom blend into the shorts. Might, would it have been better all white with a crisper green trim? Possibly, possibly not. Chris, what were your thoughts? 
I think it's really smart. I'm not a massive kit guy. I prefer retro kits than than kind of modern ones. It's very, very rare that I'll buy a modern kit. What I really like about the, the, the kits this season are those extra little touches. And we've had that over the last few years, in fairness. We haven't just got ourselves a just a kind of template that's a kind of a, pl- a plug and play sort of just put a different badge on it that a lot of clubs at this level do. I know kind of Peter will always just get like a template kit every year and it's just it's just really just not very inspiring, is it? Um, so I like the fact that there's those little extra features. It's clearly high quality. I like the fact it's got it's got both versions of the badge on. It's got the, the traditional imp on the front, but then just behind the collar on the back, it's got that the MPU is mentioning that that seems to be just showing a bit more. It's got a bit more of appearance around the ground, little elements to it on different kits. So I'm wondering if there might be a a gentle nudge towards reintroducing that as our main our main badge. But it, it, even if it's not, it's a nice kind of nod to history, isn't it? So. I think it's a smart kit. You know, it's, it's an away kit, so it's always going to be significantly different to the home. It's interesting that it's primarily white. I know the kit's, uh, you know, the bottom half's different, but the actual top's primarily white. I know, obviously, our home kit is primarily red because it's got a red back, but it makes me wonder that we're obviously going to have a third shirt coming out at some point, which is most likely going to be like a much darker colour. But in terms of this one, I think it's smart. One of my favourite away kits, you know, and it's, it shouldn't be, it's the green and white, like Celtic style one. I don't know why I, I like that. it, but yeah, I like 98, it. 98, um, so 99. Obviously, it's a different style, but it's the same colours. So, yeah, that that one, the ninety eight, ninety nine, had an awful collar. Had one of those like felt, rounded, tight collars. Because I, I bought it's one of the few away kits I bought back in the day. I bought that and a blue Echo one many years before, which resurfaced in Dad's loft the other day, much to my utter delight. Um, I wonder if the white ish kit from last season that looked like the paint splattered one. Mm-hmm. I wonder if it sold well. And yeah, maybe there, there are some similarities. I'd striking say. similarities between them. Um, I know that Liam was always a big fan of the pub shirt, a shirt that somebody would wear to the pub. If, if you're a football fan and you you don't sometimes want to wear something garish, you wouldn't walk in with one of the goalkeeper shirts. And sometimes you wouldn't particularly walk in even with red and white stripes. I don't wear, I used to wear football shirts all the time. And I never wear a football shirt now unless I'm either A, going to the game or B, going for a run because I run. Um, they're the only yeah. two times. Yeah, yeah, I do. Yeah, I've just started again, actually. I did 3K. It nearly killed me yesterday. So I'm running. I'm going to start trying sitting and see if that works. Um, but yeah, I, I wonder if it's kind of, yeah, a little bit driven by that, that still going down that pub shirt route. What we've had the last couple of years, it's been interesting. We've had a loud shirt. A, a, a standardish shirt and then the home shirt. So I expect the third kit to be a statement. Wouldn't surprise me, you know, if at some point very soon we don't go for something that's in lilac and purple. Why? It's a kit that we had a few, many years ago, 20 years ago, maybe. Seemed to think Justin Walker, it was like a purple and lilac. Um, oh, and I, I remember. It was, a, was it the same season that we had the halves and quarters style? Could have been. Yeah, could have yeah. been. Because one of those, we also had the what looked like an Australia kit away, and it was appalling. Yeah, that was yeah, that was disgusting. Um, but the lilac is a colour that's quite a bright colour. Yeah, you could argue it sounds very uh, potentially a unisex appeal. And you notice that the club are now going more down, you know, the providing fitted shirts for um, female supporters. And it, yeah, you know, maybe I'm out of order saying that there is a certain colour that. that women will go for and a certain colour men will go for what the world isn't like that anymore but I think a, a lilac-y coloured kit kind of makes a, a huge statement and by the way I'm wearing salmon shorts right now so I, you know, I'm not saying that certain colours are feminine and are not feminine um, and I know that Pete listening at home or in his car right now is about to go on WhatsApp and say you sexist because I know he does he listens to the podcast and he comments on it as he's listening to it and then, because I'll say to him, oh, I didn't say that. He goes, oh, I'll go back when I finished it, because he picked you up on something. Uh, oh, and I, I oh, argue yes. the point. Well, it's Pete, isn't it? Now he knows you. He's able to pick you up yeah, on true. things. That's what he does. So that's the kit. Um, I'm, I'm like you in that I don't particularly wear the kits anymore. Um, but I am a, I'm a kit nerd. I buy all of them. I wear them two or three times, and then they go in a vacuum-packed thing under my bed. Um, so, But I only buy two a year. Well, because I only have a birthday and a Christmas, and I actually buy any. Dad gets me them, um, so I'll get the home kit. Be interesting to see whether the away kit trumps the third kit or not. Yeah, it'd be interesting. Like, yeah, I don't buy them very often, but it doesn't mean I don't. I don't have an interest in them. We all like to have a nice kit, don't we? It's uh, yeah, and, and it, the thing is, a kit defines it. 
a season that kicked the fans in the era, doesn't it? And you'll always just, you know, whatever happens that season, you can just, you can define that season or at least describe that season. So what year was it? Oh, it's when we had the kit sponsored by so-and-so or the kit that had that particular pattern on it. it it's yeah. a it's a descriptive of a time, you know, a, a moment in time. So I like to have an element of distinction with a kit. And, and I think we've got that, to be honest, on, on both of them. I think so. I think the only other thing I'd say is that a season defines how nice a kit is or isn't. So like the go-car kit, we were relegated in 2010-11 when it came out, actually quite a nice kit. Now I see that kit and it makes me want to be physically sick and write Tilson is an arsehole over and over <laughs> again on a dart on a dartboard. Yeah, dartboard will be fine, but I meant a blackboard like Bart Simpson doing it. Um, the other kit, there was a kit we had when we were, I think it was David Holzer's season. It was TSM sponsored. So I think it was the second season we were in non-league and it's a really nice kit, but it's the Colin Larkin kit. And you know, I see it and I think I'd love to, and I love that kit. I'd love for us to go down the retro route, but we, we nearly relegated to the National League uh, North in that kit. Do you know what I mean? Whereas the Ensuk kit, the, the quick save bag that actually had the word tosser um, on it, if you um, held out some of the signs, hated it at the time. But I see it now and I'm thinking Bruno Andrade, um, uh, Harry Anderson, you know, Everton in the cup, all that sort of yeah. stuff. Awful kit, but we won the, we won the league in it. So, yeah, it's gonna, so it's stuck in our mind as, oh, yeah, what a brilliant year that was. And that, and there was also a kit. I still didn't <laughs> buy it, but I've got it twice because I sponsored Danny Rowe that year. And so I've got Danny Rowe's match worn kit. And then my dad turfed a load of kits out and he did buy it because he likes to be different. So wearing the kit this season will be the squad. <sighs> Segway. Um, a squad that is not complete but a squad that um, you would imagine there to be some additions to. I think Michael, Michael, I think Mark Kennedy said uh, in an interview that he was being backed well um, and that there was irons in the fire. Uh, one player who had been linked with the club who will not be coming back is Harry Boys. He's just joined Wickham. It was an outside thing anyway, but I still think we potentially need cover at left wing back. Um, or a left centre-back who can play left wing-back so that we've got Rowan, Jaden and A.N. other. Mm-hmm. Um, so the squad's not complete yet. Where can we see us signing players? I mean, I've got one position that we absolutely have to fill. Central midfield is that Central one. Central midfield. Yeah, that, that's, I think that's the only area where I think we don't have a huge amount of depth. If we pick up an injury or suspension, as the squad stands right now, you are... Chopping and changing. So you are, let's imagine, for example, that you've got Irahan and you've got Smith. That's what, as the squad stands at the moment, there are starting two central midfielders, I think. If, uh, let's say, for the sake of arguing, Alistair Smith gets sent off, three-game suspension. You've either got to bring in Ted Bishop to play next to Irahan, who is capable, but it's not his best position. You then bring Lass from right wing back, put him central midfield. Then you've got to shuffle around your back line and you've got to you know, disrupt the side. Um, or you bring in someone inexperienced like Ashin Gallagher, who may well be a great player in the future, could even have an impact this season at some point, but he's not someone that's got first-team experience yet. I think that's the only position on the pitch where it really disrupts the rest of the side or really weakens the rest, significantly weakens the side. If we pick up an injury or suspension, I think everywhere else, maybe other than left wing-back, you put Sean Rowan could fill in there, where we, we wouldn't significantly decrease the quality so I think yeah central midfield I think is really really important for someone who is probably on a par really in terms of starting with with Smith and yeah I think you imagine it Aaron to start whenever he's fit and then it'd be nice for us to bring another central midfielder and that can almost battle it out with Alistair Smith for that other starting position if we do end up playing a two in there of course so yeah I think there's going to be other other positions on the pitch where we will strengthen but in terms of what's the main focus right now, central midfield. I don't think we would want to kick off the season without a central midfielder coming in. Um, there's been a bit of chatter around Ted. He's not really been seen this pre-season as yet. So if we're saying two for every position, which is how the club usually operate, at the moment, in my opinion, we have not. We are actually two central midfielders light because if there are question marks over Ted's fitness... Um, you could say last, but last is seemingly the right centre, the, the right wing back. You don't want to be having one player for two positions and go, right, well, we've got two right wing backs. That's Ahui and 
Sorensen and we've got two holding midfielders, that's Arahan and Sorensen. You can't do that. It's two for two. It's 22 players. It's not 20, it's not 11 positions covered. Um, so I almost certainly think there has to be a central midfielder coming in. And is it going to be a lone player? I mean, there seems to be a real drive on not going. Yeah, I, I think I feel that central midfield is probably the last position where a permanent signing could be expected over a loan. I think, you know, again, it's a, whoever we sign is going to get game time. You know, they're going to definitely be in and around that first team and either this first sub in that position or they're going to start ahead of one of the other two. Uh, yeah, so I, I think central midfield, I would, ex- yeah, I'm going to say expect, expect to be a, a permanent sign, especially considering how the rest of the preseason has gone. Now, we are going to bring in loan players as well. But I think um, I think they'll be there to to fill in the gaps later in the window. And I agree with you. I think if we kicked off the season now, the only position we look light in is central midfield. So yeah, let's get a permanent sign in there. I the do think I do think there's another permanent sign in. And I don't. This is I haven't got any preordained knowledge or anything. So I know sometimes um, that happens, and I, I I sound much more intelligent than I am. Um, I wouldn't be surprised at permanent signing at right wing back. Hear me out. I will. Jay Ben Jay Ben goes out on loan. Okay. Last Sorensen filled in at right wing back, and Mark made comment about getting lots of energy from Lass in the final stages of last season and how well Lass had done in that position in the final stages of last season. I think TJ Omer is seen as a right centre back. I agree. And I think Elite or Huey, they will want to get a better level of football into on loan. There isn't a desire at the football club at the moment to allow our young players to stagnate. There are very, very few of our young players who have had one loan spell uh, and then come in and remained part of the squad. Sean Rowan, potentially the only example of that. And that's because Sean Rowan came straight in and was able to, to slot straight into the side. He'd already had a spell in our first team as well. Wouldn't surprise me if Huey and Ben don't both go out on loan. Ben potentially in the National League, um, a Huey potentially, given how he's done in Ireland in League Two, if not also into the National League. And then we look to bring in our own right wing back. Then that frees up Lass, because then you have Lass can play central midfield as well. The only thing that would counter my argument is the fact that Lass was captain for half of the game against Kings Lynn. That was, I, was just, I was just about to say that. Damn, I was going to make what I thought was a really good point and you'd already thought of it. Yeah, I think I think your your argument's valid. I, I can't see it. I can maybe see, I can, I, can, I can agree with half of it. I can see, definitely see Jay Ben going out on loan. I would like to see who he's staying, be a, be a competitor to the last at the right wing back role, but would also fully understand if he went out on loan. But if he did, I think that would then see us bring a right wing back in on loan. Because otherwise, if we do see... Like, but let's think about that. Because Lass is going to start a wing back now. But if we see him as a midfielder, he's not a guaranteed starter. Fair point. So it's in his best interests to make that right wing position his own, as well as maybe the, 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 the maker of the team, without having to go ahead and buy a right wing back that's going to start. But it's the cl- in the club's best interest to make the starting eleven better than it was at the end of last season. And the reality is, however well last played at the end of last season, he was a central midfielder playing at right wing back. Yeah, he, he was at the time, but I think he's, I think he made the position his own. I really do. I, I, would, I would like to see him cement that as his, as his role going forward. And it almost, by the end of this season, we see him as the other way around. We see him as a wing back who can fill that centre, centre mid if we need him to. Maybe uh-huh. it's, may, maybe, it always should have been his position. He just never really had the the were in the side for that. Yeah, I think yeah. it's a good point. I just don't know why when we've got three permanent right wing backs, including Lass, in the overall squad, thinking of the long term, that would then go and add a fourth and maybe block a pathway for one of those younger lads. So pathway, nice. Um, so who are the the other right wing backs in your who we Ben and Lass? Yeah, so three in the whole squad as as permanent players. It depends so, how far away Jay Ben's considered from the first team, I suppose. I'm thinking a year down the line, though. Like We're not going to go and sign a player yeah, on a one-year deal. We're thinking almost every free free transfer that's coming in. So when it's out of contract currently, is coming in on a two-year deal. So this time, next summer, you've got four 
four senior professionals that can play at right wing back, you're going to have to lose one, and you might make a loss. But you know, might not make a huge amount of of money on one of those players because it, it, you need to get them out of the squad because their 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 pathway again is blocked. <laughs> so yeah, I think I think the, the more I th- yeah uh, the the uh, double double trouble today. But yeah, the more I think about that, I think I think that's less likely to be honest with you. I can see a permanent signing coming in in centre midfield, and I think, but maybe only one. If we get that, you've got three centre mids, and then you've got lass who can fill in if in emergency is like the fourth option, and then you do shuffle it round a little bit at wing back. But I think with a third centre midfielder that can challenge for a starting berth, you're then seeing lass as the emergency option at centre mid. Yeah, another area we could sign a permanent player in. I'm all for these permanent players now, by the way. Oh, I'm yeah. I've, I've, you know what? We've, we, def- we defended the, the loan strategy last season, and oh. rightly so at the time, because there yeah. was justification for it. But it does just feel a lot more comfortable to have our own players, and I can definitely get behind this. Now we know it's the path that the club's taking. It just feels more comfortable, doesn't it? It feels a bit more settled. I think the problem that I have with loans is... One, you don't tend to get them until midway through August. Two, for everyone that works out recently, there's been two that haven't, and you can't particularly identify that as a, a directly as a recruitment problem. Dan and Lundaloo had everything on paper to smash this division, just like Ellis Sims yeah. did a couple of seasons before with Blackpool, and he's gone on to prove actually that he can do it. Um, so you know, I think it's a difficulty with settling. I do think that by not playing the loan market sensibly, you can miss out. Lewis Fiorini, Joe Morrell, Brennan Johnson, Morgan Rogers, Brooke Norton, Cuffey. I, I still argue Morgan Whitaker. He had a, a, a dip in form. I still you, you and I both, both both rated him to be honest. So yeah, I agree um, with that. I think Harry Boyd, great player. You know, and when you look at some of the teams that we played last season, there was the boy was on loan at Liverpool, uh, from Liverpool at Bolton was oh the right wing back. What's his name? Oh, his you know name escapes I mean. me, but I know you mean. No, Connor, Connor Bradley. Yeah, it is Connor Bradley. Yeah. You're right. Um, Burton play the low market really well. They have their centre forwards. Obviously, they're Dale Taylor, but in the past they had a Sulu. Uh, I think didn't they? Or is it Derby had a Sulu? Um, they had Jefferson there as well. You can. There's real value in the low market, and I don't think there should ever be a we're focusing on this and we're focusing on that. I do think that we'll get some high value loans in. The issue is balancing the high value loans and the needs of those players and the club that are loaning you those players alongside your own permanent players. And I think if we are weighted more towards permanent players, you don't then start going to January going, are Blackpool going to recall Matty Virtue? Are Jack Diamond going to recall, uh, Sunderland going to recall a Jack Diamond? Because then you're, then you're almost starting again in January. So I like the ethos of having our own players. I think that we may well look um, to sign a permanent winger. Interesting, now, yeah. Again, I can see. I, I know. I know you'll put an argument across. I think for loaning because you get more bang for your buck. You get a Raksaki. You could get a Brennan Johnson. But I get that. But it's also the high value position where you can sell a player quickly. Tariq Fosu. A couple of years ago, we were interested in Fosu when he was released. As were Oxford. Oxford got him, and by the end of that season, they'd sold him and Baptiste. I think it was Shandon Baptiste. Is that his name? Sold the yes, two of them it. on to Brentford for a combined 4.5 million. If you get a winger or a centre forward that's your player, he only has to have six decent months with goals and assists if he's a certain age and people are going to be interested in him. And so that's why I can see us buying another um, winger. I think it depends on the profile of that yes. winger. So a a project-style player. So maybe a youngster who's recently been released from an academy. Anthony or, Scully. Yeah. Or someone from, a, from lower, in, like much lower in the pyramid, someone who impressed in their national league, or even maybe they're lower than that. And you kind of, they, you're not going to rely on them as a starting player, but they can if they if they find some form and they, and they, yeah, and they progress and they perform to their potential. Yeah, you're right. They they are the high value players. The only argument against that would be, we've probably already got that player in the team in in Dylan Duffy. Yeah. He's, he fits that profile perfectly. We didn't spend a huge amount on him. He's playing in a, a low reputation league, but there's some real potential there. We've seen some flashes already from him in the in the end of last season. And if he can push on to this season in that, we've maybe already already got that in the squad. But we do need another wide player. Uh, we, you know, we've got Hackett, 
we've got Duffy, we've got Mandroyu, I think, as our starting kind of three out of those four players in those areas. Yeah, we've got other players that can fill in. House could drop into there. Of course, Bishop can, but there's a bit of a question mark over him. So, And also, we know that Michael Horton mentioned a week or two ago that the club were selling for four players at the time. Centre-back, centre-mid, um, wide player and centre-forward. Well, we've, we've got the centre-forward in Walker. So, yeah, I still think if we're going to bring one permanent player in, it will be it will be a, a centre midfielder. I or you know what? When you said who we were going to bring in as a opponent, I actually thought you were going to say centre half. I think we're quite well stocked at centre half, but I think it's the only area of the pitch that you could argue that we're slightly weak or at least slightly less yep. experienced uh, yep. than than we were this time last season. And we've only got one natural left footer in there in Sean Rowan, and he if he is then maybe seen as our backup as a left wing back, then maybe it'd be nice to get. A permanent, or maybe a permanent player like you mentioned who can play in that kind of hybrid role. They've, they've, they've got the potential to play left wing back and left centre half. So either a lone player or a permanent that can fit fit that profile, I think, would would maybe be good. I wouldn't see us kind of signing a a warrior style centre back. You know, we've got two. We've got Adam Jackson and we've got uh, Pordy O'Connor. We don't need another one of those kind of head it, kick it style centre halves. We probably need another ball player in there to, to add to the squad. In terms of that style of centre half, though, there's quite an abundance of those in Premier League academies and in, in Premier League under 21 teams. They, that style of footballer is less and less common the lower down you go. So maybe actually, as I'm talking about this out loud, that becomes less and less likely that it's going to be a, a, a permanent signing. So let me pick pick up something there. Sean Rowan. So let's say we're sure assuming Sean Rowan is cover at left wing back. I'm not. I don't want that to no, be the case. No, no, no. I, I don't either. But let's assume that because at the moment, Jaden Brown gets injured. Who plays left wing back? It's well, yeah, Sean Rowan. as it stands right now. Yeah. And Jaden Brown's played 10, 15 games a season. The last two seasons, 30, 40 games, maybe in two seasons. Um, and I know at the minute Pete's listening in, going, "I told you this." Um, the danger is Jaden Brown gets injured or has to sit out for some reason. I'm not saying it's going to happen. I'm not saying he's injury prone. A lot of what he missed wasn't injury. It was something else, but he hasn't got that, that body of games. Sean Rowan then has to cover at left wing back. Sean Rowan, I think part of what him wanting to stay here is wanting to play in the left-sided centre-back, his preferred position. Yeah. Does that then demotivate Sean Rowan? That he's seen as cover for that position rather maybe, than... Yeah, maybe so. Maybe so. I fully expect us to bring in a Harry Boys-esque loan at left wing back. It's a young player in a, yeah, nowhere near the first team in a Premier League or or top championship side that's going to come and be part of the squad and can kind of challenge Jaden at, at left wing back. As the squad stands now, you're absolutely right. The only other option would be Sean Rowan, but I don't feel that that's the agreement that we have with the club. But let's be honest, in terms of his his just his profile, how he plays... He was adequate at left wing back. He wasn't, but he was he was a, he was steady, wasn't he? He was solid. He was good on the defensive side of the game. He was limited in the attacking side. That's not his strength. Left centre half suits him perfectly in my in my it's in a three. It just suits him perfectly. Hundred yeah, percent. Like it suits TJ on the other side. Yeah, it does absolutely. So it would be unwise, I think, for us to 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 not add depth in the squad there. But you have got to think about it from a player's perspective. What profile a player is going to be willing to come in? And perform that role. That's that's going to be a young loan player, isn't it? Yep. Question. I love these. I'm loving it. I'm asking you all the questions now, and I've got answers in my own head, which are right or not right or wrong. You bring a loan player in when you've signed Jaden Brown. You bring a loan left wing back in. The clubs that are going to be loaning that player out are not going to be loaning out the player that they want to get 30 or 40 games a season. So you are not going to get the grade A loan. You are going to get the B loan, you're going to get the player who you're going to get the TJ Omer of 2019 20 that came in in the December and didn't play till the March rather than the TJ Omer that we ended up signing who had got 40 odd games under his belt. Would you rather that getting what you may class as a second level loan rather than a first level loan, or we go and find a Cohen Bramall just like we did back when he was here? Teo Eden was our starting left back. He Bramwell came in, covered, dropped in every now and again, and we paid money for him and turned a profit. So actually, and it goes to my point, I suppose, over on right wing back as well, where you say okay, we've got an abundance of right wing backs. But actually having a player that you own 
rather than bringing in one on loan as a backup is still a viable option. Agreed or not? Yeah, I think it's always preferable. If the, if that player exists and is someone who you can you can you can show the path for them. I avoid saying pathway then. I said path. Um, but you can bring into the squad and they you say, right, you and Jaden are gonna battle it out for the for the left wing back role. Maybe someone who maybe is 18, 19, 20 years old, had a promising season in a league or two below. I think just personally that, that's always preferable than a lone player. Always. Because it's that it's that longer term aim. They're not all going to come off. But the ones that do generally justify the two or three that don't. And I like I always prefer and, and I just like I like I always like the stories, you know, selling someone from a league below that goes into a success. It's just a nice story. What's more realistic? If they, if we've identified that player, great, yeah, let's do that. I think we might wait until quite close towards the end of the transfer window to secure this if it is a loan. Because there might be one of those grade A loans who had something lined up, but it just didn't materialise. And then more and more players become available later and later in the window on loan. So you might get a higher quality of loan towards the end of the window than you would say approaching that situation now. Similarly, that kind of B grade loan is still going to be, be available at that point anyway. So for me, I think this might be something that we see maybe first four weeks of the season until transfer deadline day. Sean Rowan is seen as the backup left ring back if Jaden gets injured or suspended. But maybe we expect to see Jaden playing the majority of minutes in the, in that role. And then towards the end of the transfer window, we might start to see someone coming in to fill there. Either either a project player that we've that we've identified, maybe a J, a J Ben style signing on the other side, um, or yeah, alone depending on who's available. The Talksport Fan Network is proudly supported by Muck Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Muck Delivery brings a top tier lineup of food right to your door, including my favourite, the quarter pounder with cheese. Mm. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with Muck Delivery. So the only thing left to say is. Are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. We're talking right wing backs. We're talking right sided centre backs. Shall we move on to a former player that we kind of want to just discuss only very, very briefly, I think. Um, so Regan Paul uh, hasn't moved into the championship. There's an element of the Conor McGrandles about it. That there was a, a certain narrative about what was going to happen. Probably more of a set narrative driven by the club this time, because I think when he didn't sign his contract, Jez actually said, we wish him well further up the football pyramid. Lots of rumours and lots of reports that Sheffield Wednesday were the club that were going to sign him and Darren Moore moving on has scuppered that. He signed for Portsmouth. Now, as I mentioned... This has really created something between fans on Twitter of ourselves and Portsmouth because they're taking the mick. You paid us actual money for Rico. Tyler Walker's awful. We've taken your captain. We've taken your star winger from two years ago. You're a little club. We're a big club. And we're laughing at them saying you couldn't get Tyler Walker to perform for you. How bad must you be if you can't get a natural goal to score goals? Uh, it's all very childish. It's all a great amount of fun as well. Uh, what were your initial um, initial thoughts around Regan Paul's signing of Portsmouth and what do you think about it now you've calmed down? Hey, yeah, and they're two very different things as well. Um, original thought was disappointment. I wouldn't say angry. It takes a lot for me to get angry at anything really, specifically football, apart from referees. Um, <laughs> I was disappointed because we we know his quality. I was disappointed for us, but also kind of for him. Because he is championship quality, he is good enough, easily good enough to play in the a lower half of the championship. He would he would fit into a QPR, he'd fit into a Millwall, he'd fit into a Rotherham. He would slot into those sides. Swansea, you know, he'd slot into the well, they're probably slightly higher than lower half, but that, that's that kind of sort of club. He he's just suits them, and he is more than capable of playing at that level. I think we've seen his qualities there. Certainly at right centre back in a three, I think that's his best position. He really shone there. Um. So I, I was surprised, I think, and then disappointed to think, well, it's a shame for him. And it's a bit bloody annoying that we're going to have to play against him now. On reflection, the fact he's gone to Portsmouth is still, it's a big step up. You know, they're, whether they've achieved their, their objectives over the last two or three seasons or not is kind of irrelevant. 
certainly their recruitment this season and their objectives. They're setting themselves for a top two push as they as they should be. And this time next year, if that if that goes to plan, and as things stand, there's a, there's a fair chance that it will go to plan if the, if you know things click. He will be a championship player as he deserves to be. You know, he's going to be getting paid more than he was at Lincoln. He's he's it is a step up as much as we don't like to admit it. It's a sideways move in terms of the division. He hasn't moved up the level, but he's moved up in terms of stature. And in terms of realistic expectations of where both Lincoln City and Portsmouth are going to be this time next year, it's quite likely that Portsmouth are going to be a championship club. We know we've kind of got aspirations of flirting with the playoffs, but let's be honest, it's not an expectation that we go into them and we end up being promoted. It's the dream, but it's not an expectation by any means. So it is a step up for him, I think, both financially, but taking the finances away, it is a footballing step up as well. It's just frustrating. It's just frustrating that that he, he, we're going to have to play against him this season twice. Um, and Anthony Scully in the same side. That is going to be a challenge, certainly. And Joe Morrell and Sean Raggett. Yeah, but it's, it's definitely Scully and and uh, and Paul that I'm more concerned about. I think just because it's more recent, I suppose that we that they were they were successes with us. But yeah, in answer to your question, initial and I think I said I said um, frustration. I think disappointment was probably the it was the the biggest, the biggest, um, the biggest emotion, and then, and then also surprise, really, initially, and then now, it's just really understanding, you know, really understanding of the situation. Because if we had signed for Sheffield Wednesday, as we as we led to believe that that was the intention before Darren Moore left, we all look at that and go, "Yep, fair enough, that makes total sense." And it's only maybe because that broke down that he's ended up where he is. Yeah, they're all. It's a fair point. I'm. I'm not going to say too much. I did a, a, a dog walk video and etc. On Paul, I don't want to talk too much about former players. He's gone. He was a good servant for us. I think. Um, people I think that's didn't... an important point. You know, sorry to interrupt you, but he was a great servant. Yeah, he did a good job. He didn't offer us. Any, he didn't. He didn't owe us anything. You know what? He knew he was leaving the club. We everyone knew he was leaving the club six months before he did, yeah. and he. And you couldn't tell that in his performances. He gave everything on the pitch. I think I think we we need to respect that because that might not be easy mentally for a player. You know, it might be easy to think, you know what, I might get a move in the summer. I'm look, am I in a step up? It's easy to take your foot off the gas slightly, even subconsciously, because you don't want to get injured, for example. And he didn't. He, he gave a hundred percent. And I think that that deserves our best wishes, really. Yeah, I do as well. For 44 games at least. Um and yeah. I, 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 I like Anthony Scully. I, he's a great guy. I was I literally I'm not name dropping, but I was kind of messaging him um, last week just about kind of how he's getting on and stuff like that. What on earth was that? My friend made a noise. Sorry. <laughs> um, yeah, so I was messaging, and do you know what? I want them to do well. I just I prefer they didn't do it with those fans that have been on everyone's case. But to be fair, Every club has a section of fans. I've muted more Lincoln fans than I have Portsmouth fans. That's for damn sure, um, especially in the last couple of weeks. So speaking of fans of other clubs, Barnsley fans are probably a little bit worried this week. Um, yeah. And we wanted to kind of just touch on this a little bit. So Barnsley have uh, been hit with um, charges from the EFL. Uh, in relation to their previous owners. So uh, the news headline said, DFL's charges relate to ownership of the South Yorkshire Club and former directors Paul Conway and Chin Lee between 2017 and 2022. Um, some of the charges, I'm not going to go into them too much, but failing to provide the league with correct information regarding beneficial ownership of shares, failing to provide the league with necessary notifications regarding ownership, failing to publish accurate information on the club's website, allowing individuals to acquire a position of control without prior clearance from the EFL and failing to act towards the league um, with good faith. Uh, and they individually have been charged with causing the club to be in breach of EFL regulations as well, and they have 14 days to respond. Social media has then blown up because people are going point deductions, they're going fines, they're saying all this sort of stuff. And they think they were pointing to Birmingham. Didn't Birmingham lose 20-odd points a couple of seasons ago? And um, uh, it was relating to ownership, I think, as well mm -hmm. as, as administration. Yeah, Reading recently as well, haven't they? Have, uh, last season had similar kind of stuff, I think. They they have. Now, I've done some digging. I don't think 
that this is a serious new story as some will make out. And um, when I put Barnsley points deduction, the top story that came up on Google was the sun. So that told me everything I needed to know um, about how realistic the prospect of a points deduction is. It's important to note, first of all, Barnsley have reported themselves to the EFL. So the current owners, the, 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 the crook, well, not say crooks, but the people who've had the charges levied at them um, have recently departed the board, as I understand it. And Barnsley have then conducted an investigation and reported themselves. That's going to go in their favour. Okay. Secondly, the precedent, I believe, at Birmingham um, actually resulted in a two-point suspended deduction. So they didn't lose the two points um, but it was suspended in case if they did anything else again in the future, which I don't think Barnsley are going to do. So Barnsley's concern for me is probably not that they've tried to do the right thing. Barnsley fans still have every single right to be concerned. Um, we were talking kits earlier. Did you see the Barnsley kit launch? No, haven't seen no. that. Do a little Google on your phone quickly. Barnsley kit launch controversy. Um, because Barnsley launched their new kit. They had a discussion where, or they had the, the promotion where they said that it was tapping into Barnsley's rich heritage. Their sponsor is something like US Star or US something. The kit looks like an MLS kit. It looks like you would imagine somebody like Seattle to be playing in. It's got US stars oh, on it. It looks like when the MLS very yep. first launched. Bingo, exactly. Um, and, and even the sponsor, US something or other. I mean, it's it's horrendous. Barnsley fans are not happy about that. They've just taken the new manager on. He's come over from Tampa Bay Rowdies, as I understand, to replace Mickey Duff. I don't think they're overly impressed with that. I mean, that's probably unfair. Um, they cancelled a friendly against Geisley because they couldn't raise a team, um, which I think was... There's a lot of warning signs at the moment going off around Barnsley. They were a team I thought were going to be right up there for promotion. Um, I'm not so sure that they might not be the team that are finishing 10th, 11th, something like that this season. The big club, like a Charlton, that suddenly find things a little bit difficult. Yeah, firstly, that kit is absolutely horrific. Yeah, it's awful, yeah. So it's really bad. Made, made yeah, you're right. And you know what? From, from a Lincoln City's perspective, this just... It, the more and more we see stories similar to this and just what's happening in the wider, just in the whole of League One, it's some of those clubs that you would expect traditionally to be big hitters in this league. Barnsley being one after a successful season last season, the teams coming down from the championship, normally a threats and normally are big clubs. Not all of them are going to be as big a threat as we expect them to be in, in a normal season. I don't want to get expectations up too high. and I don't want to kind of say, right, if we don't get in the playoffs, it's a failure because it certainly isn't. I tell you what, we've got a hell of a chance this year. If there's any season to to overachieve, God, it's this one, isn't it? In terms of the, the cards kind of just in your favour a little bit. Well, I, I think when you look at some of the teams who were in the rounders last season as well, like Shrewsbury, basket case at the moment, you know, got rid of Steve Cottrell, um, brought in Matty Taylor, hadn't made any sign-ins, Luke Lee handing in his um, a transfer request, going off to Wickham. You know, they were a team that were around us, our sort of size that I said that we were aspiring to, not aspiring to be what they are now. Exeter, virtually a brand new start in 11. Really, really risky for your second season when you could be second season syndrome. Port Vale, I'm not utterly convinced. I know I think John Schofield's gone there, which would be a big help. I'm not utterly convinced about Andy Crosby. They were tailing away at the end of last year as well. I think Burton are always just on the cusp under Marmara and eventually there, there's going to be an issue there. I think um, teams like Cheltenham, you know, teams that, that kind of just stayed up. There's, there's a few teams that I would go, well, actually, we, we, we need to be better than those. There are very few that I'm looking at who were around this, who I think they're going to be significantly better. Charlton, potentially. Oxford, you would expect to do better. Yeah. They're probably the, the main two. Um, outside of the obvious that we expect to be up there. Outside anyway, like of Peace the Brewer obvious. And well, uh, Derby, Portsmouth. You, know, you say Peterborough, I'm not convinced. If I'm, honest. I'm not convinced by them, but I think in terms of expectations, yeah. their expectations are going to be playoffs minimum, aren't they? Derby and Bolton for me. If there's any teams that are going to do what Plymouth, I mean, it was Plymouth, Ipswich and Chef Wednesday, to be fair. I can see Derby and Bolton being kind of run away at the top. Yeah. I don't think the teams coming down are in that good a position. Blackpool, I don't think are in a great position. 
Um, since, and, and there was even talk they, of Neil Critchley going back off now to <laughs> see Stephen Gerrard, wasn't there, in Saudi? Oh, yeah. So, yeah. So yeah, I think I think we've I think it's really realistic for us to have like playoff aspirations. So not to say that it's next. Like I say I don't want to say if we don't get there, it's been it's been a failure. Absolutely not. But I think as the league stands, we've it's got to be a a realistic aspiration because, like you say, this. For me, there's, 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 there's those teams that you mentioned, plus plus Pompey. I think that you know they're recruiting really strong. Yeah, they are, yeah. Um, and I think Wickham have probably recruited strongly so far as well. Blackpool are probably the strongest of the relegated clubs in terms of where they're going to be this season. Wigan, you can't expect them to be particularly... Uh, just because what's going on behind the scenes and obviously Reading as well, a bit of turmoil there. So there's, there is... Like last season, we we knew that there was ten clubs. Even if we had the best season we possibly could with, it, with what we had available, there were ten clubs that were just miles ahead of us in terms of ability. There are maybe five or six now, but well, there's probably four that are miles ahead of us, and there's you know maybe a handful that are maybe of a similar level. So the big question really is then, if we're kind of putting a putting spanner in the works, is well, we got our better results last season against those teams that were significantly. Good point. Well, not better than us because we beat them, but in terms of significantly more aspirational, maybe had bigger budgets, had that higher quality player. So if we if we can start to turn a screw a little bit and improve, as we arguably did towards the end of the season, really, and start to put to bed some of those teams that inverted commas you expect to beat. Well, if we can keep keep our kind of resilience and that that kind of uh, blueprint of how to play against those stronger sides, but the likelihood we're going to have to use that style less often next season, but we can, you know, find a way of getting through and past those slightly lesser teams. We're going to be in a really good place. Uh, just to pick up, I'm not actually convinced that Wickham have recruited all that well just yet. No? Um, Luke Lee from Shrewsbury. I, mean, well, I think they've they're... recruited aggressively then, shall we say. They've, they've recruited League One players. Um, I mean, Richard Keogh, 36, for me, you know, 36-year-old centre-back at this level when you've got the pace and uh, some of the forwards. Harry Boys is an interesting one. Luke Lee is a solid League One acquisition, but he's the sort of player that I would expect Port Vale to be signing or, or something. Mm. I wouldn't have been upset if we had signed him, but if we would dropped out of the Championship and were aspiring to get back, I don't think that he is um, the signing on his own that he's going to get pulses racing. Yeah, that's a fair point. I think it's because they've been active, and not they? You kind of, you kind of yeah. noticed that a little bit more. Um, I'll probably put them at a similar level to us, though, in terms yeah, of squad 100%. depth at the moment, which is a good thing yeah. because, you know, they were in the Championship two years ago. It'll be interesting so, to see how their new manager gets on with a full season after Ainsworth left as well. be interesting. Wickham are one of those. Actually, I've got one eye on thinking, I wonder if they might be the next Burton that go from being the Championship side that have just dropped down that you think are going to go up to being the established League One side who might knock on the door occasionally and might not. One thing they've got going in their favour, of course, is location um, because you're able to tap in probably to a wider range of players from the youth system up, I think. I think it's easier to attract. So um, so we're at 56 minutes. Again. I know. We said we were going to do <laughs> half an hour. We're at 56 minutes. I think, I mean, is there anything else you wanted to pick up on before we go? Uh, enjoy Boston on Saturday. I think I'll yes. be there. You'll be there. Looking forward to it. Don't know I did pre-season, but I think that says a lot. You know, I really actively avoid pre-season normally. All the time, yep. And um, I'm really looking forward to going to Boston because yep. I want to see this team play. I'm really excited by how the, the pre-season's taking shape, the recruitment's taking shape. And I'm really, yeah, I'm really looking forward to this coming season. Well, I want to go to Boston uh, because I want to start a chant and I want to start a chant, and I'll tell you what it is uh, any second now, because it is somewhere on my phone. But basically, my um, my nephew uh, was playing for Fishtoft, and he was played played all season. My brother was training them. Uh, they were one of these clubs that every player who on the match day had to have the same amount of time. So it was rolling subs all the time. At the end of this season, they've told Isaac they don't need him anymore because they're getting better players in. And he's well, just turned 13 years old. He's absolutely gutted. Uh, and so my brother messaged me and said, because he's going, my brother, I haven't been to watch Lincoln with my brother for years. Probably the last time I went to watch Lincoln with my brother 
Uh, we lost 1-0 to Oxford on the opening day of the season. Simon Yeo was sent off and me and my brother spent the entire game sitting there calling Andy Woodman a wanker who was their goalkeeper. 2003, 2004. 2003-04 season. Ellis Remy yeah. played, I think, and wrote Rory May. They came Rory May. Yeah, Rory up. May. Why do we know that? We shouldn't remember and, things like that. There's at no the need end, to remember that. At the end of the game, Andy Woodman turned around. I'm sure it was Andy Woodman. Looked me and my brother in the eye and said, lads, it's only a game why do you have to be like that for 90 minutes and then walked away and I felt tiny I felt like an inch tall um but my brother says cool more importantly are we going to get a Dan Simpson is a wanker chant going so Dan Simpson is the manager who's obviously told Isaac that he's no longer needed after my brother's been training and driving to games and everything so if you're at Boston we want to hear Dan Simpson you're a wanker I'm sure that's not libelous nah that's all right yeah, be fine. There could, there could be more than one Dan Simpson. Yeah, right. exactly. It could be. But you know which one, one you Simpson. are. Yeah, yeah. Dan Simpson from Fishtoft. You're anchor. I actually put you should make a banner, and Isaac, who's 13, piped up in the chat and put, I'll make it, Uncle Gary. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure that that's the sort of thing that um, that my my parents, your grandparents, are going to thank me for. I turn up and he's got an abusive banner that gets him a banning order at 13 uh, for a pre-season friendly. That is poor form, though. You know, under, under 13's football at grassroots level is, is all about participation it is but it's uh like nephew like uncle because at the end of our under 13 season with my dad i've told this story before uh, all of the rest of the team could stay at under 13 level except me bear in mind he only started the team so i could play so after we played a friendly against market razor and won 14 nil i was up top the only player on the pitch that didn't score a goal he took me to one side and said sorry son we're staying at under 13 level next year you'll need to find yourself a new club so it's so harsh but let's that was what how long ago oh that was 1992 ish maybe yeah i think the 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 idea behind youth football has maybe moved on somewhat changed a bit yeah definitely i think that's enough we've hit the hour mark ladies and gentlemen thank you very much for tuning in once again i hope you've enjoyed our chatter i certainly have all that remains to be said is up the imps up the imps it's the 90th minute and all your mates around watching the imps on iFollow you've got your McNugget share boxes on the go your mates already got booked for double dipping but then you steal the last nugget snatching all three points Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.